We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. guys welcome to today's urgent education i am so excited to actually be able to do the daniel company bible study yesterday on time and now i'm doing the urgent education on time i mean i just feel really good about things and uh i until i start reading what we're going to discuss and i get irritated but i think what we're going to talk about is is going to um, does anybody else not know where to look? You know, it's like if you look at yourself, you think you're looking at the people and then you realize, no, you're looking down. If you look up here, it's like, well, I mean, I don't feel like I'm connecting with the people, but I probably am. Does anybody else do that on Facebook lives? Did that yesterday because it wouldn't let me turn it and stuff. And now I'm all discombobulated, but back to the topic that looks like I have a fan as a hat, but anyway, um, the topic is the hidden history of the American education system. I did an entire three-part series, let me tell you what episodes, on We the Deplorables, which by the way, we've been putting all of these urgent educations on that podcast, um, and I also saved the episodes, or my assistant is hopefully saving the episodes, um, that way if we're ever taken down, we will have them. Um, but in uh, We the Deplorables, it was one of my very first in-depth series, and it is episode, okay, here we go, um, well, okay, episodes, um, gosh, I don't want to give you too much. Let's just start with episode six through, I would say episode 10 is good. Um, the first episode six is John Dewey and Witchy Mrs. Magoo, which um, I, we're going to dive into um, John Dewey a little bit. And then reading, writing, and racism, part one through three. And then the 1619 Project is also worth listening to. And I'm hoping to get back to the in-depth series I do. I'd like to dive into China's Belt and Road Initiative so that we understand what exactly that means and what's going on and why President Trump had a problem with it. But for now, I want to, um, I took these notes from Chris Ann Hall's uh series on this because it added to some of what um, I had researched that I did not know and I did not find out. And um, I think it will be very eye-opening. Uh, I also have, if I can remember how he phrased it, um, and I remember it at the end, a quote from Marcus 
Aurelius uh, that will go along with our topic today. I didn't bring my iPad in here, so um, it's in there. But uh, Charlotte Iserbit was um, given the task to uh, research the history of education in America by Reagan. And I believe she was the uh, Secretary of Education, or she may have been someone that he just tagged to do that that was in that field. And, and she was excited about it because she expected to find just wonderful things. You know, like if you study the Founding Fathers at all, you know that their whole goal behind um, children being educated and creating the primers and the dictionaries and all that stuff was so that uh, people could learn the Bible and propagate the gospel. And so their idea of school was to create little ministers and to maintain the fabric of society because without morals, our founding documents, our Declaration of Independence, our um, Constitution, our Bill of Rights are just pieces of paper. And so you have to have a moral society to uphold those things, and, which I'm sure you can see how not having one is uh, causing us some problems. But what she discovered alarmed her so much that she began to reveal what was going on and she got fired for it, unfortunately. So here's some of the things that she learned in uh, in this guy, Wilhelm Wundt, but it's spelled with W's, Wilhelm Wundt, we would say, the found, he was the founder of experimental psychology, okay? And he became the basis for teachers training, current teachers today, since 1882, I believe was the date. And um, he basically was like, okay, if we do specific things, we can actually teach children anything we want. And he was also the mentor of Pavlov, which is the guy that um, he had the dog experiment where he would ring a bell and the dogs would go and eat. And then after a while, he would take away their food. He'd ring the bell and they would still start salivating as if they were about to eat. And so Pavlov, as a student of Wilhelm, uh, was basically uh, you know, a proponent of these techniques, which some could serve as well, uh, but the hidden agenda behind the education system was to use these techniques uh, for brainwashing. But uh, Wilhelm told him that you can train children just like you can train the dogs, and you should train them for the new world order. He uh, wrote, quote, through a stimulus response approach, students can be conditioned for a new social order. Well, what the heck is this social order? Well, we'll get to it in a second. Then from him, and again, his, his techniques are being taught to this day. From him came Edward Lee Thorndike. He was a first generation prodigy of Wilhelm. He has written over 507 books teaching the methods of teaching. Uh, and he felt that children could be used like rats, okay? Uh, so again, a student of Wilhelm that believes that the purpose of education is to condition students for a new social order, this guy then writes 507 books that are still being used to this day to train school teachers in their philosophy, psychology, and methodology and he felt children could be used like rats. <clears throat> so as you go down the list, you then have G. Stanley Hall. G. Stanley Hall 
uh, was of the same mind as the others, and he also mentored uh, Dewey. And Dewey, by the way, is where we get the Dewey Decimal System, etc. And he said in 1911, the knowledge which illiterates acquire is probably a much larger proportion of it practical. Moreover, they escape much eye strain and mental excitement, and other things being equal are probably more active and less sedentary. Now, what is he saying? He thought that it was better to keep children illiterate. In fact, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for him, it was a selfish thing for parents to educate their children because it led, led to a bunch of little narcissists who demanded too much from society and who would question the new social order. But for this guy, it's like, you know, it's really impractical uh, to educate children but it's very practical to keep them illiterate. They'll have more physical activity. They'll have um, more practical knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. So these are the people that are influencing uh, our school teachers. Well, Dewey, again, he was mentored by this guy. He was the signer, one of the signers of the Humanist Manifesto. And, oh, it was him that believed liter literacy was a problem among students, but obviously his mentor did as well. But the Humanist Manifesto is basically uh, humanistic in nature and socialist in nature. And it's a whole new world order type of mindset as well. He wrote, John Dewey, undue premium is put upon the ability to read at a certain chrono chronological age. The entertainment plus information motive for reading conduces the habit of solitary self-entertainment. Okay. Now, these people knew that over many, many years, they were very patient, they could finally get to a point where they had a generation of students that could be used to pull the trigger and bring the new world order into America. What's fascinating is if you read from the early stages of our country all the way through to present day, there's always been those that have wanted to undermine America's liberties and freedoms, that have wanted to... Um, redo America into their own vision of what the world should look like. And typically these people are elitists and globalists. They've been around for a long time. And one such elitist, John D. Rockefeller Center, um, gave an endowment in 1902 to the Board of Education. Now here's what's crazy. The purpose was to set up an educational experiment based on Dewey and Wilhelm and all the other guys to see if they could get the proposed new social order and train the children the way they want them to go. Was it successful? Could they do it? And I think um, the amount that was given at the time was $20,000, which is quite a bit back in 1902. But like I said, you see elitists and people that think they know better than us using our children, using us as puppets. And we always have to understand, whoever is telling the story has a reason. They have an agenda. The narrative is always fueled to get people to believe something to get to an intended end. So when you're hearing a story or you're telling a story, your motives might be pure. You might be coming from a place of sound uh, decision-making. 
But even on the news and people that are sharing different things of different ideologies that maybe are contrary to liberty, I can guarantee you that their motive is not to preserve liberty. When they say we've got to preserve the democracy, first of all, we're a republic. Second, that's not what they're doing. They want to get it to mob rule. They want to start a revolution and then they want to take over because socialism, by the way, is just another form of capitalism. So a lot of these people were socialists and no offense with German people, but I don't know what the heck the problem is with that country. More diabolical worldviews have come out of Germany than any other nation I can think of um, when it comes to education and philosophy and humanism and socialism and eugenics and all of this stuff. I mean, it really is incredible how much thinking has impacted the world, even America. In fact, a lot of them came here to try to change America fundamentally. Does that sound familiar? Then we have a guy named Frederick Gates, also involved in the education system. He said, in our dream, we have limitless resources and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hands. The present educational conventions fade from our minds and unhampered by tradition, we will work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive folk. Now, what does he mean? We'll take it from present educational conventions to um, uh, an unhampered by tradition to what they want uh, their goodwill to do. Well, what they wanted to do is they wanted to form workers, not thinkers. If you look at the education system before all these crazy people showed up, it was dominantly either in the home or supervised in the home, or it was at local school systems, little schoolhouses. And so there was no disconnect between the parents and their children's education. It was not ran federally. It should have never been ran federally. I'm waiting for some state government to have enough guts to say, you know what, you don't need to run our state schools. That's not your role and that's not constitutional. I would love to see that because when you had the early education of um, the primers and hunting with dad and cooking with mom and the moral values and characteristics, the reading and the writing and all of those things with the sole focus of becoming citizens that can add to this country, they created thinkers. They were um, very good at critical thinking, at discernment, at recognizing, hey, this is a good decision, this is a bad decision. They had moral character and codes that they lived by. Well, that doesn't work when you want to transform a country from one of liberty to socialism. So with socialism, you have to be workers. So our education then created a bunch of people where they're told they're only place in life is to work for a living. They stole from them the ability to decide their fate, to decide um, their core values, etc., and to design the life they wanted. Um, instead, in the school system, it's designed not for them to be critical thinkers, but for them to go get a job. Now, nothing's wrong with that at all. I think it's very important that people have meaningful labor. But the goal of these people is you cannot have a revolution unless you have an oppressed class and then you have the master class. So the master class has to keep the oppressed class down. 
And so they wanted workers, and that began in 1917. Now, William Thompson, who was a former Federal Reserve chairman, said Russia, and you heard me correctly, Russia is pointing the way to great and sweeping world changes. When I sat and watched those democratic conclaves in Russia, I felt I would welcome a similar scene in the United States. So let me make sure that you heard what I said. Russia is pointing the way to great and sweeping world changes. When I sat and watched those democratic conclaves in Russia, I felt I would welcome a similar scene in the United States. Hmm. Okay. So he was heavily involved in the education system as well. They had to figure out how are we going to do this? How are we going to take the Russian system of communism and bring it to America? Because we're the land of the free and brave. So you can't take people that are used to freedom and immediately subject them to enslavement, which you've got different people here. You've got those that know it's a bunch of crap. You have those that have no idea. And that's what Saul Alinsky called the useful idiots. And so you've got people that genuinely believed and were sincere that this was a way to go. But then you have the other people that know that if they can consolidate this country into a socialist fabric and, and model, then wealth is consolidated and transferred to the elite and then we are told where to work, how to work, how long to work, where to live, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. May it never be so in this country. May this country never, ever fall to socialism. But we've got to understand that our children are being groomed to be socialists and humanists. We have to understand that. And if you're a Christian parent and you have your children in the school system, you have to be involved. You need to go to school board meetings. You need to look at their homework. You need to have these discussions. Don't get so caught up in future college uh, uh, aspirations and sports to where you miss what is happening to your child and the act of undermining. And don't think it's not here. Don't think it's not in small town USA. It is everywhere. I can guarantee it. I hear reports all the time. We need people on the 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 school board, and they may already be there. I haven't researched it. Well, I've actually looked up all the names, but I've not researched their their thought processes. But we need people that believe in liberty and freedom and that believe in educating our children to be critical thinkers and be successful in America, not turning them into little Stalinists or Leninists. So the uh, solution they came up to do this was the International Understanding Agencies Educating for a New World. That, and that's a book that, and I don't remember what the author's name was. Um, oh, no, it was John Eugene uh, Harley. He wrote this, and he said a patient building of the New World Order would be through education. Quote, and the builder of this new world must be education. Education alone can lay the foundation on which the building is to rest. Plainly, the first step in the case of each country is to train an elite to think, feel, and act internationally. So what globalists want to do is erase borders. I mean, just look at America right now here in 2023. So globalists want to erase borders, and we're all part of a global community. 
and we don't need to be separated by those darn silly things like borders and our own language and finances. We need to become part of one, and the internet has made that really easy to do. That's not what we want. If you erase the sovereignty of nations, you've got, I mean, it's just like a stepping stone for uh, a tyrant to take over the known world, which will be the end game. Um, if you're a Christian, you know that. Um, and that's what they want to go to. And so this globalist thing, and we're all in it together, and the whole internet and global economy and all that stuff, that's, that's part of their plan still. They've not changed it. Are there good things about the global economy and the internet? Absolutely. I'm not scared of those things at all. But I am scared that they feel that the only way to make sure the new social order occurs is by education. Plainly, the first step in the case of each country is to train an elite to think, feel, and act internationally. Elites. Federal programs do this in uh, and include the current education system, Head Start, etc. Poverty programs do this, youth services, the removal of local control of political and educational matters without seeming to do so. You know, I, I would like to sit down and make a list of all the current things that the federal government controls that they fed us a bunch of lies, making it seem like that was the way to go and it was a good idea. Like one example I had, you know, this whole Alaska thing where they need to be able to drill. Um, they have to wait for permission from the federal government because it's on federal land. Why does the federal government own any land? Why? Why did we ever allow them to own land? Why are we allowing the Chinese to own land? Why are we allowing foreigners to own land that are not citizens of this country? So if you look at it, now they have control over the, their land, these lands and they can dictate what you can do and what you cannot do on these lands, taking away the rights of the states to make their own decisions. The states should have been in control of their national parks. The states should decide if they drill and if they don't. So that's the problem. We have lost the reality that we the people is the most powerful force in this country then the states, because we the people formed the states, and then the states formed the federal government with the Constitution when it was ratified in, I believe, 1789. So the order is flipped, and if we don't flip it back, we're going to be in trouble. Well, we already are, but we've got to flip it back. So why is the federal government in control of all of these, these areas? And here's another thing. They use money. If you don't do what we say, we're going to take your funding. It should have never been that way, ever. Taxes should have never been a constant thing. States' taxes was written in the Constitution. Federal taxes was only for war. That was it. So why do we have these uh, perpetual wars? Hmm. The education system also began to educate children on sex, to have sex, and if you get punished with a baby, just kill it. Eisenhower, 1958, signed an educational agreement with the Russians Shocker, had no idea. And it has been signed by every single president since then. I don't get it. Why are we signing educational agreements with Russia? Why are Republicans doing it? Well, it's a, it's a, excuse me, it's a uniparty. They're either doing it because it's a uniparty or they're doing it because they have no idea. Now listen to this um, page 10 on the No Child Left Behind Teacher's Manual, which by the way, George H.W. Bush, 
He talked about the New World Order like some 220-something times or more. That was the direction he was going. That's why he didn't get reelected either. But it says in this No Child Left Behind, students construct their own understanding of reality and realize the objective reality, it's not knowable. Mm-hmm. Okay. In other words, there's no truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. That's it. So from here, we get the race to the top, common core, etc. All of this to teach our children to be global children. So the solution, we got to get rid of the federal education programs, 100%. The states need to take back control of their education system. They're unconstitutional. They're a theft from our children, our money, our education, etc. We need to get rid of these things and get them back. Even out of the state's hands would be a, like my biggest dream and get it back into the local. But I would also suggest that government cannot teach God. So again, if you're a Christian and you absolutely have to have your child in public school or you feel like God is telling you to have your child in public school, okay, I'm not going to argue with you on that. But I will say that home education is probably the most important thing we can do. And I'm not saying to get out of society. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that home education will actually create liberty-loving children, whether you know God or not, it doesn't matter, where they can have your values. And, um, and I mean, guys, and even like if you look at libraries, libraries around the world, even in America and in Canada, are having full-on pornographic dancing with men grooming little children, their private areas on display, which is illegal. It is a federal crime to subject children to pornography. Is anything being done? No. Parents just take them. Kids get subjected to this because they're grooming them. And uh, I think a lot of people don't understand how much danger we're in. But Marcus Aurelius, uh, let me see if I can remember what he said. He was talking about the different things that he was taught by his family. And I think it was his grandfather, but it may have been his mother that taught him that the best education to be had is in school or is in the home. Because then you're able to learn the morals and the worldview of your family instead of propaganda from the school system. Isn't that astonishing? A man alive that long ago had enough sense to recognize that the school system in his country, Rome, was a propaganda machine. Why don't we recognize that today? So at the very least, please, please, please have discussions with your children about queer theory and CTR and the history of this country because they don't teach it anymore. Um, all of those things that make America great, please have those conversations. Please check in, look at their schoolwork. If you come across anything that doesn't look good, um, make sure you have those discussions, that you talk to your local school, be part of the school boards, et cetera, et cetera. I homeschooled my son. I really didn't recognize the danger of public school because I loved public school. I was a great student. Of course, that was back in the um, 70s to 80s. Um, man, I sound old when I say that. But 
later, when I realized what was being taught, I was very thankful I made that decision. Really, the only decision I decided to homeschool is I loved being around him so much. There was no way I was going to put him in school for eight hours. So it was really a selfish reason, but it's one that I'm very glad that I did. All right, so that's our urgent education. Um, I think next week I'm going to get into some very interesting facts on slavery that I bet you've never, ever heard. Very, very interesting. So anyway, have a great week and weekend, and I will see you next week. Small is a new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.